We've been going through the book of Acts. We're going to continue to do that this morning. Um, <coughs> excuse me. We have uh, just just gotten into chapter 16, and uh, Timothy has joined Paul and Silas on their missionary journey. And I believe we're down at verse 6 in chapter 16 uh, when the Macedonian call takes place. We're going to get into, uh, for whatever reason, this is one of my favorite things uh, to teach and always has been, uh, the conversion of Lydia. As we get there, we'll talk a whole lot more about it. Uh, but let's go ahead and, and I want the, could somebody turn for me to John chapter 6, verse 44, and read that out loud for me? I think I got that right. If you're reading it something else, I'll know. I got you. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Yeah. I want us to keep that verse in mind as we read through what is taking place on Paul's second missionary journey here as he heads to Macedonia and beyond. That in, in, in John chapter four, verse or chapter six, verse forty-four, Jesus says that no one can come to him unless the Father who sent him brings them to him. And, and I'm not I'm not doing this or, or, or bringing this to your attention because I'm trying to promote Calvinism or any of those uh, sorts of things, but I want us to think about the miracle of salvation. And it is, to me, it is a miracle. The way that God works, the way that He moves, the way that He causes us to be in the right place at the right time, when we respond appropriately to his calls, the way that our heart gets opened, I completely and, and, and totally believe that it is God who opens up our heart when we become receptive, that there is something that transpires, that there's something that we can't fully explain. But Jesus says that it is the Father who was responsible for calling or for bringing people to him so that they may reach salvation. And as Tink just read for us, Jesus promises that he will raise them up on the last days. And, and so as we read about this, I want us to think about the fact that up to this point in the book of Acts, the gospel has not left Asia. It's in a very, very confined area. And we're going to read about the Macedonian call here in what took place to bring Paul into Europe and, and, and how God worked to accomplish salvation in the life of a woman named Lydia. And uh, let's just start reading in verse 6 and go down through some things here. Which chapter? Um, sorry, 16. Oh, yes. <clears throat> it says, in chapter 16, verse 6, it says, And they went through the region of... Phrygia, I always say that wrong, and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia. Again, I, I don't know how that's pronounced. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, 
And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we thought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So let's note a couple of things here. Even missionaries who are called and are following God's call to go and spread the word oftentimes don't know exactly where to go or maybe they can't go where they think they should go. In this case, they had an idea that they were going to go here. And we don't know exactly what took place, but we know that the Holy Spirit intervened and said, you're not going there. I've got other things I want you to do, other places I want you to go. And so in the process here, we start to see something else happen. Did you notice a change as we're reading through this and we get to the bottom? The pronouns change? Did you notice all of a sudden it says we? So at some point, <coughs> at some point, Luke has joined them, the author of Acts has joined the group, and he has taken up with Paul and Silas. <coughs> and so we start to see this reference um, where it's talking about from the first person that we are headed in this direction. So the Holy Spirit is guiding them to go where they are supposed to go, into Europe, and they're going to make their way into Macedonia, and they're going to make, get into a suburb of Philippi, and some wonderful things are going to take place. I do find it interesting, and, I, and it's just something I think worthy of note, that the first person that we ever hear of being saved in Europe is a woman by the name of Lydia. And if for whatever reason, God felt it necessary to make sure that we are aware that Lydia was the first person saved and that the, or at least the first person we're going to hear of, and that the church in Philippi was was probably built around her house, and that that she played a role here in the believers starting to build and the church in Philippi um, starting to to form. Uh, so let's start reading about the conversion of Lydia, and then we'll talk about it. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Um, did you, and, and I was reading, so I, I don't know if you did. Oh, you're fine. Did you mention why the the, um, the pronoun change? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Mark, the, the, or Luke, the author. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he's now, he's now with them. Okay. Yeah, he's now, he's now joined the group, and they're traveling together. And so, there's some who think that the, the vision he saw, uh, uh, the vision that Paul saw of the man from Macedonia may have been Luke. There's some. There's a lot of uh, different different thoughts on the matter of, uh, of of where that came from. I don't know. It doesn't really matter much. Uh, but at the same time, the, we we see the pronoun change, and we know that they are now together. And uh, I think there's three different times throughout the Book of Acts where we we hear we see the word "we" start to come into play, where he's personally involved in what he's writing about. Anything else? Yeah, what hymn talks about the Macedonian calls? Uh, you heard the Macedonian calls? It's in the light. Yeah. <laughs> 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 hey, 
had to get there. Yeah. Yep. You didn't have to sing. I well, that's okay. I was I was merely I was merely mouthing the words. Um, <laughs> no, it's okay. Yep, it's in the light. And whose favorite song was that? Jack Sargent. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Semithrace and the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi. <clears throat> this is going to be a hard one. Which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia in a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer and we sat down and spoke to the to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul, and after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. So let's talk about Lydia for just a minute. And perhaps we should talk a little bit about, uh, about Philippi and about what we understand by reading this. Where did Paul typically go when he came into a city? First place. Second, or the temple. Yeah, the temple. Synagogue, exactly. So there must not have been very many Jewish men because it, it took, what, 10 men to establish a, an actual synagogue. And if, if we read here that instead of going to the synagogue, he goes outside the city to the river, where he knows there's there's probably going to be a place of prayer and starts ministering instead to a group of women, then there's something different about the way this town is set up. And so the assumption is made that there must not have been very many Jewish men there in order to establish that. But it was a very thriving place. It was, it was a very important uh, stop along the trade routes. It was, it was a, a, a Roman city. It was... Um, a place where, if you think about what we're hearing here about Lydia, if she was a trader in purple goods, then she was probably a member of uh, of some uh, you know group of of people that that dyed the goods and sold them and traded them, etc. But she has a house. She probably has servants. She has enough room to put these people up which might make her a perfect place to establish a church if churches, as we know, are meeting in houses at that time. So there's a line here that says, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And I, and I want to look at that and talk about that in, in the framework of what we read from the book of John, realizing again that it doesn't necessarily mean when we read verses like this that uh, that you know, God is going to save who he's going to save, or that you can't resist God's call to salvation. But it does mean, I think if we take it all in context, that God worked in a wonderfully miraculous way, wonderfully divine way, by having the Holy Spirit guide and lead them where they needed to go to meet the people they needed to meet. Lydia responded, God opened her heart, and she received salvation. And at that point, God was able to work with her and establish his church 
with the people there. We don't, again, we don't know for sure about all of, uh, all of her household who was there, but it does say that it was her, her and her household were baptized. And it does talk about her urging them to stay and apparently was not just, not just suggesting, but seriously, you know, you must stay with us, that type of an approach. <clears throat> but I also want to point out that the way that this took place is Paul had a conversation with them. And to me, this is so important for us to, to come to the realization. Paul would go to the synagogues and he would preach. But when he came upon a group of women at the river, a, a place of, of prayer, he just talked with them. He engaged with them. He had a conversation with them. And in doing so, he winds up winning someone for the Lord. So it's, I just think it's important for us to pay attention to the fact that we can be effective witnesses for the Lord just by having conversations with people, just by sitting down one-on-one -on -one and talking to the people. And I think sometimes we, we, we think we have to be ready to pray and we have to be ready to espouse certain things, but that's not the case. We should know scripture. We should have, I keep, I keep pointing to Brad because he's in sales. We should develop that elevator pitch, right? Where we can win two minutes where we can tell people about the gospel. Uh, but at the same time, a conversation is really all that's necessary in many, many circumstances to make something happen. Now, what, is, what does it mean here when the gospel or when the, uh, the, the Bible tells us that um, she was a worshiper of God? What kind of a person was she? Was she Jewish? Was she not Jewish? Was she Gentile? What's her, what's her background? And she's a worshiper of God, but she's not saved yet. <clears throat> what's it telling us about her, her lifestyle? She's, go ahead. Yeah, or 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 per, or perhaps perhaps a Gentile who is worshiping with the Jews, but still not fully Jewish. Because I, I get the impression that she's not a proselyte. I get the impression that she is that she's searching. That when they say worshiper of God, she's she is she's worshiping with the Jews, but she's not Jewish. And she's trying to find the answers. So she knows there's a God, but not quite where she wants to be. And, and, and of course, then Paul has led to her to witness to her and to convert her to a Christian. I think that would make sense for the saying that her heart was opened. She was intrigued by what they were saying, and then he opened her heart up to hear the words. If she was Jewish, she might be a little bit more like off put by some things that they were saying. Mm -hmm. uh, but she was more open to hearing and then accepting immediately. Yeah, definitely. And do you get the impression there's any men here at all? No. I don't. No, it's, it's a group of women 
And, and I don't know, I, I'm not trying to, to, to land any sort of uh, extreme significance on it, but, but I do find it very interesting that the first person that we know about is a woman. And I wonder what her role was from that point on in, in establishing the church and in, in bringing people in. And, um, and I, I have to assume she probably gave them a place to worship because the church of Philippi became a, a very significant church, as we know, and for the most part was quite thriving and, and doing very well. Um, but this was, a, this was a place where if, if you were a person who was well off, you would have a little more influence. And I get the feeling that she was pretty well off and she probably did have a lot of influence and, and was able to, to assist. And so I just love the way God orchestrated everything <clears throat> to try to make things happen. And so when you think about the fact that people often quote that God leads people to, or the Father leads people to the Son, um, you can come back to these passages and say, look at the way that the Holy Spirit said, no, Paul, you don't go here, you go here. And no, there's, there's no synagogue. Go to the river and meet with these women and have a conversation with them and witness to them and tell them about Jesus and watch and see what happens. Comments there or anything else? I can't quote the, I think it's back in Acts some, you probably already covered it, but there's, there's a couple of verses that, that say something like, uh, make sure when you go to this place, open your mouth because there many of my people are there. Where is that? Yeah, I don't know where that is. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, is it an axe? It might not be. And I'm real loose. No, that's okay because I, I. But it's just. But yeah. It's like, hey, make sure when you go, speak up because many people will be saved because I don't want you to see where. Because you open your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure if that's an axe or not. I have to, anybody know where that's at? I have to get out of my. I have to get out of my stuff to look it up. So, <laughs> and this morning I actually opened up all the books that I use on the screen at one time before I got here, so I was ready for once. Usually I come here and I have to open them all up. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's <clears throat> that. That was originally who was they? Who is it? They always say said that. I always forget. And then, and then I, oh yeah. And then, the, then I guess it was later on. They said we can't find anywhere that, that Augustine ever said that. Um, I don't know if he did or not, but uh, um, there's a lot to be there's a lot to be said for living out your examples. And uh, but I I, I I always go back to. Um, you know, people will look at your actions and it will affect their witness, your witness incredibly. But when you open your mouth, that is when they can really tell, really tell where you, where your heart is. There's, uh, there's so many folks who are involved in doing good deeds who have no interest in the gospel. And, and while people should be able to look at what you do and how you act and know that you're a Christian, when you speak is when you really make it clear. 
tank were you talking in Psalms 81 10? Is that it? I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm looking for, it, but I keep having it in my search bar and I keep clicking the X and it keeps disappearing. I'm three. <laughs> <laughs> but to that Augustine quote point, I don't know where this is either, but faith comes by hearing. Yeah. You have to, you have to share the gospel verbally for the fall Yeah, faith comes by hearing and hearing hearing by the word of God, right? Yeah, but but you know to but to, to Jim to Jim's point though. You know, I I don't want to take away from the significance of our actions, uh, because if you turn away somebody by your actions being less than what they should be, you'll never get a chance to talk to them. You know, um, you'll never get a chance to witness to them. So our, our actions are just as important um, as as the words that we that we say. I was looking here. um Wiersbe writes this. He says, Paul shared the word, Acts 16, 14, when, it, when you do an exegesis on it, means a personal conversation and not preaching. And God opened her heart to the truth and she believed and was saved. She boldly identified herself with Christ by being baptized and she insisted that the missionaries stay at her house. All of her household had been converted, so this was a good opportunity for Paul and his associates to teach them the word and establish a local church. And, and Wearsby also says we must not conclude that because God opened Lydia's heart, Lydia's part in her conversion was entirely passive. She listened attentively to the word, and it is the word that brings the sinner to the Savior. The same God who ordained the end, Lydia's salvation, also ordained the means to the end, which was Paul's witness of Jesus to her. And this is a beautiful illustration of 2 Thessalonians uh, 2, 13 through 14, he says, and that reads, But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, Beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a picture of the first fruits being saved so that God's work could be done. I didn't realize I'd talk this long. I usually watch my watch. Like Proverbs 31, 8, 9. Uh, it says, Go ahead, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, the rights of all who are destitute. No, it's in Acts. What I'm talking about is in Acts. Oh, it's in Acts. You know, I was going to study somebody's. That's all right. Yeah, no problem. We'll, we'll, cause we'll still be in Acts next week. <laughs> We might be in there for a year the way I'm going. Um, yeah, get our acts together. Thank you. Pretty pretty soon you're going to have an axe to grind with me, aren't you? Yeah. Wow. Let's close. It's, I've, I've totally wrecked this class. Wow. How many we got? 14. 14. I don't know. My wife's probably around the corner.
Yeah, that's what she told me last week. She said, I'm usually around them. Yeah. I didn't count. I didn't count. It's okay. Got it. Thank you. All right. Let's, we're going to talk next week about Paul and Silas uh, in prison. We're going to talk about the, the demon-possessed uh, girl and what takes place in that situation. Love that account. I love how the, the scriptures say that they got annoyed. <laughs> I just love it. So we'll, we'll hit on that next week and talk about the, the jailer and all that good stuff. What, what you got? It is an act. So I, I, I jumped ahead. It's an 18. Oh, okay. It's coming up. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid to tell on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. So it, 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 it is coming up. Sorry. That's okay. You're good. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's close. Oh, Father, thank you so much for this day. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be here and to study your word. Uh, Lord, we just ask that you will be with us as we enter into the sanctuary. Lord, be with Brother Tink this morning as he delivers the message that you've laid upon his heart. Father, we do hope and pray that there will be those in attendance who will hear your message, that you will they will respond, and that uh, they will be receptive to you, and you can open their hearts, and that your kingdom will be grown. And Lord, for those of us who already know you, allow our relationships to be strengthened by what we hear. We thank you again for all you've done, Lord, and we look forward to what you'll do in Jesus' name. Amen.